0: Cross the line Do a night about Stay in the Motel by the law, cause he skipped a fail Yet he tells her one more lie before she starts to cry And if
1: her daddy finds it Half boy's gonna die
2: Good morning, good morning, good morning Cable Smith, Welcome everybody to the Lone Star Outdoor Show Little cooter State Line, kicking things off for us today. One of my favorites there. Thank you guys and gals so much for being here. It is a pleasure, a treat, and an honor. Truly, it is. I can't believe I get to call this a job. Uh, But, yeah, it is a treat to be talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks today. Thanks for making it a point to spend a part of your week with me. We've got a great show lined up for you today, and I'm going to tell you all about it momentarily, but... You know, now's kind of a a time of reflection for me. And I imagine a lot of y'all as well, because just about everything is over. Uh, Deer season has come and gone for most of us. There might still be some late season stuff, maybe MLD going on for some of you. But for the majority of folks, whitetail season is in the rearview mirror. And now, as of last weekend, you can throw duck season in there as well. So... You know, I I had my wife hoodwinked for a long time. She thought hunting season was basically September through January. (laughs) Uh, But I think she now realizes that February actually is just about the only month where I'm not, like, actively gone for at least one or two weekends, uh, maybe even a week at a time, because spring turkey fires up in March. Uh, So, and then, of course, there's spring bear, and there's... Africa, there's fishing trips during the summer, so (laughs) she's on to me now. She realizes that it is truly a a year-round lifestyle, a passion, and I'm blessed, as I imagine many of you are as well, uh, to have someone that is so supportive of it. Um, What's coming up today? Let me tell you. We've got 2017 Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year. One of my favorite uh, personalities in pro bass fishing, Brandon Polinick will be here, uh, joining us from Florida via Idaho, and there will be an Idaho theme to today's show, uh, which I'll tell you more about in a second, but Brandon left the Elite Series for the Major League Fishing Pro Bass Tour last year, as did like 60 of the top anglers. It was a, a major shakeup in bass fishing, which we discussed with uh, Kelly Jordan and Brent Ayler. Uh, on a show which i'm sure you could go back and listen to if you want more info but yeah i mean essentially they wiped out the elite series now brandon has decided to go back to the elites after just one year why is that he is certainly not in the majority i think there's only a couple anglers that are returning to the elite series Uh, but for one of the most respected and accomplished anglers to do a 180 after just 12 months it's a There's got to be a reason why, so we're going to pick Brandon's brain on that and talk a little elk and mule deer hunting, as he is a passionate backcountry hunter as well. Then, uh, a couple more of Idaho's native sons will be here in Mickey and Gary Braun of Mickey and the Motor Cars. They make their return to the show. It's been a couple years since the boys were in studio, but they've got a new record, long time coming which myself and my kiddos are absolutely enjoying the hell out of. It is an awesome record, and uh, they're going to play us a couple tunes off of it and talk about their love for the outdoors. Uh, Gary, and I didn't even know this, he actually guided elk hunts in Idaho back in the day. So uh, the outdoors, something that has been a big part of the Braun brothers and their upbringing. Uh, so that's what's coming up on the docket for today. We're going to spend a couple segments with both Brandon and then Mickey and the Motorcars. Well, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a signed copy of Long Time Coming, the new record from Mickey and the Motorcars. Gary and Mickey both signed it. Uh, we'll give this away, and I'll throw in a Lone Star Beer camo cap to go with it. So to uh, to enter to win this week's giveaway, just email the word about Idaho since uh, all of our guests today originally hail from the potato state Isn't it the potato state i think it is but yeah email the word idaho to lone star outdoors show at gmail.com and you'll be entered to win this week's giveaway let's take a quick break up next we're talking little bass fishing a little elk hunting and who knows what else with brandon Polinick of the elite series right here on the lone star outdoors Show. Well, is cool and
0: and things that come just to stir the pot in words it ain't worth the time
2: they take to say. British Columbia is world-renowned for its beauty and wildlife, and Vancouver Island is revered as a magical place by hunters. Vancouver Island Coastal Bear Adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18-inch minimum skulls in the six and a half to seven and a half year range. They also have Roosevelt elk tags and only take Boone and Crockett bulls each fall. of their guiding area is located on private land. So whether you're looking for a boon or black bear, once-in-a-lifetime Roosevelt elk, or a giant cougar, they've got the hunt for you. Visit VancouverIslandBearHunt.com to book your hunt today. That's VancouverIslandBearHunt.com hey y'all spring is here and that means a lot of things but specifically your lawn is about to become your own worst nightmare that's why i use jc's landscaping they do everything from lawn and landscape maintenance to fertilization and weed control new premium sod installations hey you need a french drain i had to have them put in a french drain a couple years ago they do that too landscaping updates makeovers stone borders patios and much more serving the north dallas and surrounding areas you can find them at jc and tell them cable sent you
3: Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffair for
0: Fair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Fares once again, the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Well, ain't nothing in the world ever been more fun than when I take out my dogs. I watch them run, yeah, we load them in a truck. When it's almost dark, and drive down to the creek and find a good place to park. And we chow down on some beach, nut tobacco. We drop that tailgate, we let them dogs go. We run down the creek to the morning light. And if
2: the tree is one, we're going to watch them fire. Brand new there from Ben Atkins Hunt here side in Texas. Uh, thanks to our friend Alan Brown over at we'll the KRNR, a radio affiliate in Goldblade, Texas, for sending that one over. Appreciate it, Alan. Great tune. It's tough to beat a song about hunting dogs. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thanks for being here on the Lone Star Outdoors show. As we're about to talk a little bass fishing, probably hit the backcountry as well, with 2017 Elite Series Angler of the Year, Brandon Polinick. And uh, we're going to do that here in a second. But first, I want to remind you that Dallas Safari Club is the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I am a proud member. Love to invite you to join as well. And here's why. Dallas Safari Club's members realize that there are no off days in this battle that we're fighting every day against anti-hunting, against animal rights activists. DSC knows that the only way wildlife will be conserved is through sustainable use hunting. They are passionate about hunters' rights, education, and conservation. For more information, check us out at biggame.org. All right. Now, without further ado, let's bring on our first guest today, One of my favorite anglers in professional bass fishing. He's also a a hardcore backcountry enthusiast when it comes to big game hunting. It's my pleasure to welcome Brandon Polinick back to the show.
4: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
5: Yeah, my pleasure. And I was going to ask you how the weather in Idaho is, but apparently
4: you've already uh, jumped ship and are in Florida. I have. We made the drive a couple weeks ago, uh, actually trying to beat a couple (laughs) snowstorms up north in uh-huh. Idaho and uh, came down worked a couple shows and then made our way down to Florida fished the first Bassmaster open and uh, we're still down here in Florida so weather is better than Idaho <laughs> but it is not not what you would expect or hope for in Florida either right
5: well I, I don't know how, what kind of a winter you guys had in Idaho but in Texas man it was like it was, deer season sucks because it was like 65 degrees on Christmas day you were walking around wearing uh a Hawaiian t you know, Hawaiian shirt and shorts and flip-flops so it was a it's been a rough deer and duck season for a lot of us southerners so uh it seems like seems based off your Instagram you found some snow though
4: I did yeah we were able to uh get over into Montana and uh and find some snow over there so uh-huh. I mean that helps, especially when you're hunting big game. Anytime you can find that snow, it just makes it easier to track them and to find them.
5: Yeah, so we'll talk about that in a minute because that's interesting. But one thing I wanted to ask you, as far as is Idaho, your home state, is that more of a a smallmouth or largemouth fishery?
4: I would say probably ten years ago, it would have been predominantly largemouth. but the the smallmouth like every year have kind of progressively taken over a little bit more and a little bit more and it's probably split fifty fifty now, hmm. or I should say at least the smallmouth have gotten to the size where they can compete with our largemouth. Okay. And and so right now it's kind of just depending on the time of year, decides you know which one ends up playing more than the other. Hmm. Uh, you know I know in our fall tournament. A lot of times uh, the small it'll be a mixed bag, but this year it was predominantly largemouth. We just happened to have the right weather that came into play, and it took 30 pounds a day to win. Hmm. Okay, but so you probably grew up catching more largemouth then. Uh, I I did I did, and I was kind of one of the early adopters of the smallmouth around the house, and so I'd started chasing them early, but. It was like I would always try to win tournaments with them <laughs> just because I wanted to be different. And, and I never could because they just <laughs> they didn't get big enough. Uh-huh.
5: Okay. Well, we've got a lot to get into on the fishing side of things. But first, I, I do want to talk about your fall because I never realized how passionate you were about backcountry hunting. And I, I, I've seen the season you took your first black bear.
4: Uh, where was that at? Uh, that was actually in Idaho not far from my house uh you know we just we hit a perfect season where a lot of the huckleberries were still concentrated up in the high country Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it really had a lot of the bears concentrated and you're able to go up there and see you know five six sometimes ten bears a day Um, which which makes a lot of fun yeah it's not too far from the house and so Are you close to the Montana border? Uh, In the northern part of Idaho, you're kind of close to everything. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I'm two hours from Canada. I'm 30 minutes from Washington, and I'm like an hour and 15 minutes from the Montana border.
5: Okay. Yeah, I've never hunted Idaho, but I've hunted Montana a couple times and was – chasing elk up there with a bow and we were we're pretty close to the Idaho border this year so anyway my question was going to be do you guys have any grizzlies yet in that neck of the woods
4: so we're starting to get them um mm-hmm. where I had shot my bear this year there's actually quite a few grizzlies oh wow uh, my buddy had seen one the day before and the one I shot was a it was a chocolate black bear Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we we actually watched it for probably 15 minutes double checking triple checking making sure that it wasn't a grizzly yeah Uh, you know making sure that we had a good look at it before I took the shot and because we knew they were around and I know earlier last summer they had one kind of down in town Mm. that had came down and so they're they're getting a lot more Frequent, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you start hearing about guys running into them, or I know a lot of my buddies this year kind of had encounters with them, you know, whether either they kind of got ran off by the Grizzlies or had just seen them and had to back out. Yeah, so you're hearing it a lot more in the last probably two or three years than I've heard my entire life.
5: Well, who knows? Maybe that uh, that circuit court judge will get his head out of his rear end and we will actually have a a Grizzly (laughs) season at some point, but. Uh, that remains to be seen. So awesome congrats on the uh the black bear. And then like your next adventure uh, or at least successful one. So I went on
4: a a hunt with Leopold. Uh-huh. Did a rifle hunt for mule deer over there and uh it wasn't a giant mule deer, but it was the biggest one that I've shot. <laughs> uh and so that that was really cool. That was a cool trip cuz it's really good people. I got to meet some new people. Uh and it was, you know, it was a different part of the country that I hadn't got to hunt yet Uh uh, which is what I always like to do I like to see those new places you kind of you end up learning a lot in those situations right of like how the animals live in those different environments Mm.
5: yep yep so another another adventure and had you taken a had you taken
4: a mule deer before I've shot some smaller ones Uh, you know I've just I've never shot like a mature mule deer buck so yeah
6: that
4: was the first one that I was able to do that on,
6: Right on. we just don't
4: have, we don't have a lot of them up north. We have some, we have some really big ones, uh, but we don't have the population of mule deer that like the Southern part of the state does.
5: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I once did a, a week in New Mexico around Wheeler peak, I drew a mule deer tag there and I you, know, you get there and, and, a, and a state record buck had been shot out of that unit, like uh, a season before. And then you get there and you start talking to the locals and like they're like Wheeler Peak's the highest point in New Mexico, FYI. And they're like, yeah, we don't put in for around here. It's too it's too rugged. <laughs> so they go to the next unit over, and I'm like, I, I think I saw one mule deer buck in six days of hunting. And I mean, I was glassing and walking my ass off. Uh, so I know about low low uh, mule deer density, that's for sure. Um, yeah. What about this elk? That I guess is that is that your your girlfriend or? Yep. Okay, so you guys, I mean, that's where the snow, the snow pictures that I saw was, uh, man, you you walked three miles tracking that thing. That is something I've never done because I've always hunted them in September with a bow. And mm-hmm. so um, kudos to you for you know having that that backcountry savvy to to track them down and and get off the beaten path because you mentioned in, in, on Instagram that there were a lot of hunters around.
4: Yeah, and that was. It was a really interesting situation. Um, uh, you know, I had like I had planned on going over earlier that week and I just had a ton of stuff going on on the fishing side and and I just wasn't able to get away as early as I'd like and I, I had that last weekend left. So we had really a day and a half to hunt by the time we drove over there and got to where I wanted to hunt and it's a place I've had success in the past. And when we got over there there were people everywhere mm. you know? and, and I wasn't, I was not prepared for that because I hadn't seen that in the past. And so for me, it was kind of, you know, like I was taken back by it kind of like, what am I, and what am I going to do now? Right. Because I wasn't, wasn't prepared to have all these people around. And when I sat, you know, we got back kind of, that evening after we went out and looked the first night hunting and I just didn't, I knew there were elk around in the area. Yeah. I had seen some tracks and I knew pretty well of like once the snow starts falling, I knew where they started to travel to get down to their winter ground. And, and I just decided that, you know, we'll try to be one of the first vehicles up there. Uh, We'll get in there start doing some glassing and see if we can catch some of these elk moving Early before the sun gets up, and we end up getting up there. We pass like four vehicles on the way up that were, you know, pulled over, either unloading side by sides or guys putting chains on. And and we get up, we get up there, and there's one truck that pulls up like 45 seconds in front of us, nearly at the same time we pull up, and and we're both kind of glassing there and glassing. And I look down and I see this herd of elk, and and I spot a couple bulls in there, and to be legal, they have to have at least four. They have to be branch antlered bulls. They have, to have right. at least four points. And and both and both the bulls that I saw did. And then there were six or seven cows ahead with them. And so I'm kind of watching them, watching them. I'm trying to figure out what this other guy's going to do. And I guess he must not have ever seen them
6: mm-hmm.
4: because he just turned and drove off. Wow. So it's negative nine in the morning. <laughs> Maybe there. that's why you drove So, off. <laughs> it, it, Yeah, it's freezing cold, right? Like Nobody really wants to get out of the truck and go <laughs> hiking through the woods when it's negative nine out. But, uh. Uh, you know, me and Tiffany kind of get bundled up and we take off over there. And I had a pretty good idea of where I thought they were going to go. And so we kind of went up and around and, tried to circle back on top of them where I could get an angle looking at them and we cut the tracks and I start following the tracks and I'm kind of counting and I'm looking at them and I, I stop and I look back at Tiff. I'm like, I don't think these bulls are with them. I was like, these are all cow tracks. They're going straight up this creek jaw. I'm like there's those bulls did one of two things. They either, crossed down and went up this other side or they're still back in this timber on in the timber patch that we saw them go into so either way we need to go around to this other side see if we can look back maybe we can find them bedded down um yeah. somewhere you know, they're somewhere over on the side and we started getting we're kind of side hilling up this steep face where i've seen them before uh, and and it always seems like the bulls go over to this section for whatever reason they like to bed over there. You can't see it from anywhere that you can drive, like to get a shot at at the elk on that side. Like you have to hike. Yeah. Oh, um, that's why I they're there. That, yeah. Those bulls are smart enough to know like yeah. they were already disappearing into the timber before the sun even came up. And I could already tell that they had been pressured. And so we get, we get over there about three miles in and I cut the the set of tracks, and I'm like, this has to be these bulls. It's like, it's from this morning. There's two of them. Like, it's got to be these bulls. And we didn't walk another five minutes. And I look up and straight up the hill in front of me, about 35 yards, is one of these bulls standing there.
5: <laughs> and, and he's, he's and made you at this point?
4: He's looking at me, but uh-huh. he can't tell what I am. Uh. But he, he doesn't know. What I am, but he knows that I'm there, and he's looking at me. And it was so steep, and then it was kind of a little bench. I couldn't tell if he was standing or if he was bedded at this point. Because mm. you know, a lot of times they'll be bedded down, they hear you coming, and they'll stand up, but they just stand there and kind of look. Oh yeah. And and I'm thinking, okay, if if he is already standing, the only thing I can see is his head and his neck. I couldn't see his body at this point. So I put one in the chamber and uh, and I start kind of easing up to try to gain some elevation to see if I can figure out what he's doing. And as soon as I like take the first step and pull up my rifle, he stands up and he's standing there broadside at thirty five yards. I was <laughs> like, oh, but sorry, buddy, you made a mistake today.
6: <laughs>
4: and uh, and so I I pull the trigger, I fire one off. And I'm shooting a 300 Lapua. So Uh it's like, it's a big case. It's a 210 grain bullet. Yeah. And I'm expecting him to just like topple over right there. And I, and I, he like, he takes off after I shoot and he goes behind these trees to the left and just disappears. And I'm
6: like, what the
4: heck? And so I run up there uh, and it's, you know, we've got eight inches of fresh snow and, I don't see a drop of blood, nothing. Huh. <laughs> I look back at Tiff. She's about 15 yards behind me. And I, and I tell her, I'm like, I think I missed. <laughs> she's like, what do you mean you missed? How did you miss? <laughs> like you have to be really far off to miss at 35 yards. Right. With a rifle. <laughs> and, uh, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if like when I slipped and fell, my skills off. i like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. There's no blood. There's nothing. And, uh, and I'm standing there, just kind of dumbfounded. And in my mind, it felt like it was thirty minutes, but it was probably a minute. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I can I hear that bull breathing, and you can hear him just kind of going, rrr, rrr, rrr. and I, and I'm like, oh, I don't think I missed. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I'm he's looking dying. through the trees. Yeah, he's not ten yards away. He had toppled over and laid down, and and he was you know dying right there so it it ended up being super quick and you know it wasn't yeah i didn't even have to use a second shot like he passed right there pretty quick so um that was really cool she's helped me pack him out before and she's been hunting with me before but she's Mm -hmm. never been there through the whole process of actually like being there for the shot Uh you know seeing him pass and then um the whole process of it, so that was cool. We shot about ten thirty um and then we made two trips in and out and got the whole thing out and nice. six thirty that evening we were finished up and headed back down the back down to town.
5: That's awesome, yeah Tiffany kudos to her for for sticking that out. It looked like uh it looked like you said negative nine uh not the most pleasant to be out in, so
4: yeah, 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 got a geez. good one. <laughs> Yeah, she's all about it. She knows what it provides, you know, what it brings to the table. So, Uh um, you know, and and the cool part was, is that she's always enjoyed, you know, eating elk and deer, whatever it was, Um, but you gain a different perspective and a more of an appreciation when you're there for the whole thing. No doubt. No uh,
5: doubt. You earn it. You you're part of the team. You're helping, you know, pack it out and you're there for the for the actual kill that's uh that's a pretty surreal experience. Um especially for someone that, you know, hasn't hasn't done it before. Very cool. Uh, let me ask you this. You know, you make a living fishing public water for the most part. Um but it's obvious public lands are are a big part of your existence as well. Uh, are there any Advocacy groups that you're a member of or that you support on the the public lands front?
4: There's not any, like,
5: just one
4: specifically. Mm You know, I'm a big fan of, like, the whole movement with the, like, public landowner. Yeah. And you see a lot more, like, t shirts and hats. And um, it's something that needs to be on more people's radar. Um, And I, I think we're getting to a point in our society where people are understanding how important those public lands are. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's amazing to me. Like I never thought about it when I was younger. I just don't think most people probably don't.
5: Well, you I guys are spoiled up where you live, it. you know, you drive yeah, to the I trailhead in half hour here in Texas, you know, we don't, we don't have that. So
4: exactly. And it, it blows my mind that there were people before us that had the, the foresight to look and say, we're gonna make these giant stretches of land, public land, but like these are going to be government lands, these are gonna be state owned lands that I mean we're not talking like a thousand acres, yeah you know, some people have never seen this that we're talking like three hundred thousand acres, like m- entire forests or like mountain ranges that are public land um uh, and that's a big deal, right and that that crosses over between fishing and hunting you know we see a lot of access issues in like louisiana and stuff with the waterways mm-hmm. uh and, and things like that and we're really fortunate in Idaho of how forward thinking they are with public access and public land whether it be water or um, you know or land and and we're really fortunate there and if you grow up in that you take it for granted, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But the more I travel and the more you get in like these places where it's huge populations of people. And, you know, I talk to all my hunting buddies now. I do a bunch of whitetail hunting. And like, is Public land is not a thing. Like there's not enough of it for them to even hunt. So they have to go and lease private land.
5: Yeah. I'm in that boat. <laughs> And then us Southerners are always, you know, knocking on your door come September with a bow. be are like, uh, got any help? <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> so. Which doesn't, and like that, you know, there's arguments on both sides of that of, You know, some people have been like, oh, why are all these out-of-staters coming? But for me, it's it's all, like, we're just blessed that we have that. Yeah. Right? And it's, we're lucky that we have that because it brings a lot of dollars into our system to
5: no maintain doubt. those things. And and Keep and as a Texan, let me tell you, I'm proud that that's my land too, you know. I I, I, did, yeah. I don't live there, but 100%. I I own it too. So that's, it's it's yeah. a it's a luxury for all of us, no doubt. I just have to travel a little farther to get there. Um let's do this. Let's take a yeah. quick break. We'll come back and I want to talk a, a little fishing. Are you cool to stick around for a few minutes? Yeah, of course.
2: Perfect. And that segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. It's that time of the year. I know Those fishing rods and reels are staring me in the face, looking at me from the garage every time I walk in the door saying, let's go, let's go. And I'm about ready to. And if you've got a stock tank or pond on your place where you're trying to grow big crappie, bass, catfish, whatever, you need the damn fish feeder. It's so easy. Fill up the damn feeder, put it on your damn dam, and feed your damn fish. It's the damn fish feeder. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Up next, Brandon Polnick explains why the grass isn't always greener on the Lone Star Outdoor Show.
0: Might be those
2: In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000.
4: or visit our website at www.biggame.org.
2: Are you tired of waking up at 2 a.m. to fight public land skybusters? Cable here for Three Crow Outfitters and their new North Texas Duck Club, which consists of over 3,000 acres and 40 water bodies throughout Ellis and Navarro Counties. 3CURL does the planting, provides metal blinds, decoys, and posts a weekly scouting report. All you and your buddies do is reserve the property you want and show up to hunt. This opportunity is limited to 10 four-person memberships, so for the waterfowling experience of your lifetime, go to 3CURL.com or call 214-641-8097 today.
0: There's a million conversations with my old man about who he was and who I am that I never had just wouldn't listen, I
1: just kept digging myself down in them holes in my life,
2: down in my bones. Holes, oh, of that one there from Cody Johnson, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Powered by Dallas Safari Club, Cable Smith here with you. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, our long time presenting sponsors. We're about to jump back into things here with professional bass angler, and all-around good guy, Brandon Polinick, the 2017 Elite Series Angler of the Year. But before we do so, this segment is brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Whether you're filleting a limit of crappie or butchering a a feral hog, whatever the case, make sure you celebrate with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. Okie dokie. Well, as we alluded to earlier, uh, Brandon Polinick made the decision to leave the Elite Series for Major League Fishing's newly formed Bass Pro Tour for the 2019 season. Uh, He recently came out and said he's moving back to the Elites, something that I think only one or two other anglers have decided to do. We're going to discuss why he made the switch back to uh, to his roots, and we'll do that here now. Uh, Brandon, thanks for sticking around, man
4: glad to stick around as long as much time as we need <laughs> perfect well hey i, I want to
5: talk about what you do for a living there's been some some major well some seismic shifts in professional bass fishing over the last year with about i don't know if it was like 60 or so of uh, the elite series anglers moving to the major league fishing uh, bass pro tour in 2019 um, so, first of all, let's let's talk about that. You won Angler of the Year on the Elite Series in, in 2017. I'm sure the, the highlight of your career, out of all the anglers in the world, you were the most consistent that season. But then, a year later, you're moving to Major League Fishing. So, explain a little bit about that, and then how we've come full circle, and, and now you're back on the Elite Series. Yeah, man.
4: It's been there's a, a lot there. Whirlwind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in, in the last well, whatever, fourteen, fifteen months, mm-hmm. uh, it's there's been a lot of changes. The landscape of the professional world of fishing has really changed, um, but but in a good way, uh, you know. And it's all kind of perspective of how you look at it. But at the end of the day, it's it has made all the organizations really step up their game, which only is better for the fans better for the anglers and it's better for the organizations themselves Mm -hmm. Uh, you know whether it's major league fishing or BASS and the I can't speak as much on why the change happened like on why major league fishing got started and all that because I think there were a lot of guys that were around before me with things that happened that I wasn't there for, or didn't have optics on, mm-hmm. uh, but there were, there were a lot of guys that felt like there were serious changes that needed to be made, uh, and I don't, I don't fully understand all the ins and outs of that.
5: So I'll speak for you. There's a group of guys young. I mean, how old are you? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. So you're relatively young in in this sport and yep. it seems like there's a bunch of guys your age ish that where you're going with this is don't really know what was going on but it's like we don't want to get left behind so we're going to go do this and yeah. be, be a part of yeah. this
4: and and through that process um right that I, I looked at what they had to offer and you know everything that they were pitching and i was like man this is how's it not going to work yeah right and and it they're doing fine with it. Uh, The biggest thing for me is that through that process, I wanted to make the most educated decision possible. And so I went and I I gathered as much information as I could from everybody that I could talk to that had an opinion on it. I wanted to hear it good or bad or indifferent. Like I wanted to hear that opinion so that I could make a decision. The lesson learned in that, and anybody can take away from this, no matter what situation they're in. But I lost sight of my own opinion hmm. through doing that. Right yeah. by by going out and gathering everyone else's opinions, I began to overvalue their opinion or value their opinions over my own. Right, and lost sight of what was the most important to me and and honestly i don't know if i fully understood like what bass meant to me or what like what things were truly the most important Mm -hmm. Uh, and through the course of the year several things happened and it made me reflect on what what those things were that i thought were the most important in bass fishing and what really gave me the drive and the passion to do it. And what I realized is that it was, it really came from the fans and and those small moments, because right? I grew up as a fan mm-hmm. and as a young kid, you know, eight years old, I decided I wanted to do it for a living. And I was able to finally identify like certain moments where I felt like those are so important and that i wasn't getting those from the Bass Pro Tour. Uh, right. And, you know, just little things like the weigh-in. Uh, you know
5: what everyone says you know, you, that is against uh, the Bass Pro Tours. they call it the most little fishes win. <laughs> and, you know, just from someone who's in the industry and, and sees all the comments and, and fans yeah. don't like that. It's great for TV. That's the thing about Major League Fishing is they had this big TV deal, right? You could see it constantly. But at the end of the day... People want to see five big bass. I'm certainly in that boat as well, as a fan of the sport.
4: Yep. And there's a <clears throat> there's a balance, um, but but the one thing that I think got overlooked is that it it doesn't matter who it is. People still like to see big ones, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the. I don't get too caught up in the format because I think there's pros and cons to both formats. Sure. There were some things that I really liked about the Bass Pro Tour format. Um, but the, the biggest difference between the two is when you have a five-fish limit, you bring them to the scales, you have two guys standing on stage. One's currently leading. The other guy is the last guy to weigh in. He brings his fish up nothing is for certain at that point right there you can have bass track and you can have estimations and it could even be a blowout and you know that the next guy that's about to weigh in is going to win but until that weight is put on the scales and announced nothing is official Mm -hmm. and and so it builds up this suspense and builds up this moment where when a guy wins uh you see all of that emotion come out and that got that got lost this last year uh on on the bass pro tour side where guys knew what everybody had and it was like you're fishing you're fishing you're fishing you're the guy leading was just trying to hold on to his lead and then it was lines out and he won and it was done yeah and then he would get his trophy a couple hours later and it it took a lot of that suspense and that emotion out of it where uh you know I've I've been fortunate enough to win on the elite like when that happens all of the struggles and all of the hardships that you've endured to get to that point come out and you're like that's the moment you see grown men cry on stage right in front of in front of the entire world and though i believe that Those things, even though they happen so quickly in in time, uh, those are honestly what I think creates the industry, right? Like, that's what makes people want to fish for a living. It's what makes people drawn to the sport. Uh, And it took me a while to realize that. Like, I always knew that those were special moments, but I didn't realize how important they were until you took them away. And that, and it's just, it, it's a completely different feeling, a different emotion. Uh, And I've always believed that that's one thing that made our sport different from other professional sports, right? Is that, that amount of emotion that you see in a guy when he finally wins. Yeah.
5: Well, yeah, you certainly didn't get that with major league fishing. And and I'll be honest, uh, back before, um, they started the the tour. You know, my wife and I casually watched it on Outdoor Channel or or whatever, and it was it was cool. It was it was something new. It was a different format, but uh, it didn't take me but a couple of years to kind of grow t- grow tired of it. And I was just like, nah,
6: mm-hmm.
5: I'd much rather see the the big fish and that emotion pouring out and all the fans in the arena. Uh, to me, that's you know that's like you. You wanted to do it for, for a living from the time you were eight. I never had that uh, that passion. But that's what I want to see as a fan, you know? Um, yeah. So so a couple other guys, though, uh, also made a similar decision. Who are some of the other anglers that have, have left and are going back to, to the elites?
4: So the only guy, the only other one that's coming back to the elites um, besides myself is Gerald Swindle. That's right. Yep, Gerald.
5: That's right. Gerald's a big hunter, too. He's been on the show uh yeah, yeah yeah he's
4: he loves to hunt he loves uh, whitetail <laughs> yeah it's a different style than what i'm used yeah. to doing you know he's more of the tree stand
6: mm-hmm.
4: hunting deal but he definitely likes to hunt yeah so he's coming back as
5: well uh like we said you won angler of the year in 2017 man hopefully 2020 is a banner year for you as well and it seems like you're you're getting back to your roots and and this is where you're comfortable, and we wish you the best of luck,
4: yeah, thank you. I appreciate it
5: yeah, last thing um do you so being from Idaho, there's a couple of uh Texas bands that are you know Texas transplants from Idaho. Are you familiar with making the motor cars or reckless
4: Kelly uh yes, I'm actually <laughs> right on I am reckless Kelly was playing around my house for a long time before. The rest of the world knew who they were. Yeah, yeah. Well, the and and then Mickey and the motor cars are the the
5: two youngest Braun brothers, and they are uh, they're actually going to be on the show with you this week. So in good company. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. In good car. company. Well, cool stuff, my friend. Hey, thanks again for your time, Brandon. And like I said, good luck in uh in 2020. Y'all are amping up here. I think February 6th is the the first tournament on the
4: Elite Series. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate it. And hopefully we can get on another show here soon. Oh, hey, and if, hey, if you
5: want to plug your uh, your website and your social stuff so folks can follow along. Uh,
4: yeah, the easiest way is you can just go straight to my website. It's bmpfishing.com. Uh, it has links to all my social channels or pretty much every social platform I'm active on. It's just at Brandon Polinick. So you can find me on all those. Um, Try to spend as much time on there. Give people an inside perspective of what's going on. Rock on.
5: Well, thanks again, Brandon. Good luck, man.
4: Thank you. Well,
2: there he goes. Our good friend and one of my favorite anglers in pro bass fishing, Brandon Polinick. Uh, that segment of the presentation brought to you by the Pulsar Thermion 30-millimeter thermal riflescope. Check it out at pulsarnv.com and save 20% off your entire order, uh, any night vision or thermal optic by using my promo code Lone Star, that's Lone Star, to get you twenty percent off when you check out at PulsarNV.com. Up next, it's Mickey and the Motorcars live in studio on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And
0: she said, "Hello, country bumpkin." How's the frost out on
2: the pumpkin? I've seen some slides but Hey guys, Cable here, and uh, I want to tell you about outdoor access. See. Access is the one thing I hear hunters complaining about the most. They don't have a place to hunt, but they want to, right? Well, outdoor access is the solution to that problem. Think Uber, but for hunters. It's a membership-based program. It's only $9 a month, but it gives you access to a list of properties for uh, hunting, whatever you want. You want to hunt deer one weekend? Great. You want to hunt ducks on another property the next? Fine. Turkey on another? You have dozens to choose from. And it's a lot less expensive than paying for a traditional 52 week lease. So, if you're interested in basically what I call Uber for the outdoorsman, use the activation code Lone Star at checkout. Just go to OutdoorAccess.com. That's OutdoorAccess.com and use my promo code Lone Star for 30% off your membership. That's OutdoorAccess.com. Music of Charlie Robinson bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Brand new, me, the name of that one. Cable Smith riding Shotgun with you today. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. We've got Mickey and the Motorcars, uh, at least Mickey and Gary Braun here in studio. They've got their guitars. So I think we're going to hear some brand new music shortly. Uh, maybe talk some elk hunting, among other things as well. But before we do that, this segment is proudly brought to you by John X Safaris. Yes, sir. I'm headed back for trip number four this summer with John X. Uh, South Africa's a place that has become near and dear to my heart. If you want to join that trip, we've got two spots left. Um, I think we've got five spots open for 2021 as well. So maybe you can't do it this summer. But exploring the dark continent is something you want to do in the near future. So, hey, next year is fine, too. Just shoot me an email, Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and I'll send you over the pertinent information. Um, all right. Well, let's bring them on right now. They are here in studio uh, making their, I think this is their second or third time on the show, but it is great to have Mickey and Gary of Mickey and the Motor Cars back with us. Thanks for being here, fellas
7: absolutely thanks for having us in man
2: yeah my pleasure so it's been a couple of years i've moved locations and um i guess it was the hearts from above record last time you guys um, yeah that's
3: right yeah, yeah about three and a half
2: years ago <laughs> yeah and then we ran into each other at guns and guitars out there in rock springs uh you guys came and, yeah. and played an acoustic set there at my buddy's ranch so that was pretty cool oh
3: yeah that was fun i remember that yeah
2: um but y'all have got a new project that is out. Uh, yeah. Long time coming. Great, long time coming yeah. is the name. <laughs> great new record. So tell us a little bit about this one. What 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 separates this from previous projects? And I know each one of these is like y'all's kid, right? I mean, you yeah. put so much heart and soul into each one of them, but they're all a little different.
7: Yeah, yeah the difference is I'm not going to have nine kids. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank God. <laughs> but no,
7: this one was a really fun project, and it, the difference, uh, there's quite a few differences on this one, uh, one being we recorded it up in Nashville, uh-huh. uh, Tennessee, with uh, our buddy Keith Gaddis uh, producing. And um, we had a bunch of his um, musician guys come in and play on the record. Um, and so that was a big difference for us to go up there and play with a bunch of Nashville cats. And uh, we spent a lot more time on it than we have in the uh, previous records. So we kind of uh, took a couple weeks off and went up there and worked on the – Pre-production, and then after that, we uh, went back on the road for a while to make some more money to help pay for some of it. And then we went back up for a, a couple more weeks and, and recorded it. So that was a, a couple of the things. And then um, another one of the major deals is Gary is uh, co-wrote half the songs on the record, or wrote half the songs on the record by himself, and um, sang half of them too. So uh-huh. it's given me a little. Uh, breathing room on this one which has been a lot of
2: fun for me yeah and what for you gary what is that not that you haven't contributed previously hell last time uh last time when you came to rock springs i asked you to play uh from where what is it from where the yes that song uh which you wrote you wrote he wrote that one didn't he? yeah Yeah, so
3: um it was i I guess i didn't really plan on writing that many songs for this album i just had a little more time on my hands this year and i Probably worked at writing more this year. And um, when we kind of piled up all the songs, we sent Keith. He was producing the album, like Mickey said, probably 10 or 15 of my songs and probably 15, maybe even 20 of Mickey's songs because he Mm -hmm. had a bigger pile. But, I mean, when we sorted through them, Keith was just... I think Keith in his mind was just thinking that the two of us were going to kind of split the album all along. And so that's kind of how he chose... Or helped us choose the songs that we were going to do. And so, then. were you
2: slacking previously on other ones, or what was the deal? Yeah, probably. I was, I was,
3: <laughs> probably a little bit of that, and then just not. I, I really hadn't worked at songwriting a whole lot, so it kind of
2: uh-huh.
3: was something I was a little more passionate about as I got older, I guess.
2: Right on, right on. Well, cool stuff. Um, well, let's do this. Let's go ahead and uh, take a listen to one of the tracks off of the new record.
7: Do this uh, song, Gary and I wrote. Uh, it's called Rodeo Girl. One,
1: two, three.
0: When they open the gate, I'll be riding for eight times. I hit the ground, face down in the mud in front of my loving mother. Cowboy town, if I lose my money, it's alright. down <laughs> Gonna ride tonight. If I can keep it in the middle, baby, everything will work out fine. If I already won the world, just having you by my side, you're my rule.
6: Good
2: time. I'm going to ask you to do another one right now. Let's keep the tunes rolling. Stranger Tonight, I told y'all, this is my my baby girls. Both of them, this is their favorite tune. It's uh-huh, <laughs> got a pretty good groove on the album.
1: Yeah. I was playing with your hair, looking everywhere, as if you're searching for someone. I've seen that look before. I know you've been hurting more than you ever.
2: Right there. Thanks. Yeah, that's uh, like I told you guys. My daughters they're they're obsessed with it, so <laughs> they love
3: that song. Give me a new acoustic version. <laughs> we don't like the acoustic version. <laughs>
1: Play the other
0: guy. <laughs>
2: that's the
3: one that you wrote, Gary. Yeah, um, I wrote that one. I guess I wrote that one by myself. I think in Austin. Uh huh. Probably not long after I got divorced, judging by the lyrics of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, kind of. I think that's one of those songs about kind of just going through those changes when you're first getting single again and trying to not get too connected too fast or jump yeah. back into anything before you're ready, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so ha- that one hasn't been released as a single yet. No. What will be... If, go through the singles, because, you know, like I was telling y'all, um, I listen to a lot of Spotify, and I don't even know what the singles are currently. Am I a bad radio host? My bad show yeah. host for that? <laughs> I can tell you all the songs on the record. I just know which ones are on the radio. Now, the,
7: uh, the first single is uh, uh, a song called Road to You. Mm-hmm. I wrote with uh, my friend Courtney Pat.
2: Road to You. Yeah. Yep.
7: yep. Yeah. We, uh, we wrote that one down in Austin.
2: I apologize to everyone for singing, by the way.
7: At <laughs> <laughs> any rate, yeah, we wrote it down in Austin and uh, uh-huh. she sent it me- the beginning to it, what she had in her mind, what she wanted was basically uh, part of the course and uh, part of the second verse. Yeah. So I just started working on it. We set up a, a play date, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, started working on the course as well. So it was a pretty fast write. We got through it in a few hours. and uh, Wow. Yeah, it was a really fun one. And then I, I'm i not really, we're not positive on where our second single is going to be, but we're leaning towards a song called Rodeo Girl.
2: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome let's do this let's take let's take a quick break we'll come back hear another tune and then uh talk a little outdoors as well perfect excellent and that segment was brought to you by a product that i'm a big fan of i'm talking about the vortex optics fury hd laser range finding binocular that's right you no longer need two pieces of equipment you got it both you got your rangefinder built into your bino and if you're a minimalist like me that is a winning combination. You can find it at vortexoptics.com. We'll be right back with more from Mickey and the motor cars, including uh, Gary, he talks about his experience as an health guide back home in Idaho. You're listening There's to the Lone Star Out Show. swear it's not the one. where you
4: hide the body? Where'd you get the gun?
2: Live Oak Outdoors offers some of the best waterfowl hunting in the Central Flyway, hunting over 2,000 acres of cut rice along the coast that attracts wintering geese by the tens of thousands. Hunts take place out of layout blinds or white parkas over a spread of 1,500 decoys. It's also common to shoot pintail and other puddle ducks in the goose spread. Professional guides make sure you have a safe and memorable hunt of a lifetime. They're based out of El Campo, Texas. Check them out at LiveOakOutdoors.com, or you can book your hunt by calling Chris Slimp at 832-466-9646.
1: Hi, this is Nolan Ryan. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. On a
0: good day, the snow on the pines Could be diamonds the
2: way it glitters
0: and shines
2: And on a good day On a good day, little Zane Williams bringing us back from the Lone My Star Club. Outdoor Show, powered by Rises Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here today as we are rocking and rolling, literally, uh, Mickey and Gary Braun of Mickey and the Motor Car, still here in studio with us, and we're about to talk a little backcountry hunting as well as hear another tune, I do believe. But first, this segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my uh, trophy needs, so to speak, for the past eight or nine years. Recently got my lynx back from my British Columbia trapline trip. It is freaking awesome. Becky hit a home run. Uh, Let me just describe it to you. (laughs) It is chasing a pine marten around a tree, uh, like a stump, and there's snow on the the limbs. And, I mean, the the facial expression of the lynx is, I mean, perfect. She absolutely knocked it out of the park. The best part about it? It's on a pedestal that rotates 360 degrees, so I flick a button and this thing just <laughs> rotates around. Oh, I, could, I never get tired of looking at it. But uh, anyway, Josh and Becky will take care of uh, all of your needs from Canadian links to uh, South Texas trout that you caught in Corpus Christi Bay and everything in between. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. All right, well, Mickey, Gary, Thanks for sticking around. Certainly appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Um. So, when was the last time y'all were up in Idaho, your stomping grounds?
3: We were there over uh, the holidays, Christmas and stuff, and then pretty much went straight to Steamboat from there.
2: Right. So right. The music fest. Yep. Uh, my youngest brother is a uh, he's a connoisseur of that uh, of that festival. It's a great. He's time. not much of a hunter though. I told you, you're like. Yeah. You asked me in the truck on the way over here, when was the last time you are there? And I was like, well, never, Mickey, because it's right in the middle of hunting season.
3: So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, didn't, I
7: didn't even think about that cause yeah. for me, it's, it's wintertime.
2: So. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah.
7: <laughs> it's right in the middle of ski season. Well, it depends
3: mm-hmm. on which hunting season you're talking about. Well,
7: yeah.
2: yeah. So, okay. So, y'all were home over the holidays. And going back to the early days, the, the Braun brothers, mm-hmm. what, uh, what what did you guys hunt for or, or fish for? Or, I know the outdoors were were a part of of y'all's family.
7: Yeah, absolutely. We grew up, you know, when we were younger. My my parents weren't big hunters, so we, mm-hmm. you know, basically we started on, uh, you know, pump air rifle, BB guns, shooting squirrels. And then yeah. We moved on from that to uh, got my my hunter's head when I was 13 and uh, got my license and started hunting deer. And that's really as far as I ever really went with it. And then Gary ended up doing a lot of a lot of hunting and guiding over the years.
2: Oh, yeah, guiding as well?
3: Yeah, I did some when I was younger, uh, Right, I guess uh, right out of high school. I kind of guided in Idaho for a few years. I'd worked for an outfitter for about five, just doing a lot of packing and stuff for them, and then they talked me into guiding like my last year, <laughs> and so I guided a few elk hunts. But oh, wow. I didn't do a ton of guiding. I was mainly packing, and uh, it was kind of... You had to pay was, your
2: dues before the, they asked
3: you to guide, or maybe you didn't, yeah, maybe you was didn't more like that. Yeah, it was more like I just finally kind of... I just needed more money and the guides got paid a little more than the Packers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, what uh, what area of, of Idaho was that?
3: Uh, Central Idaho, up there by kind of between Stanley and Chalice is where we were working. Mm-hmm. And big bulls there? Yeah, some of the biggest ones in Idaho. I mean, we pulled out some nice, nice bulls. Like, what, so what would you say is a good, like 350s? I, I think the biggest one we pulled out of there was probably 370. Holy moly. And that was actually the the bosses that own the outfittery that was his kill like he shot that bull of but course. that was Getting yeah his own supply and yeah exactly <laughs> but uh well it's hard you have to draw that area so i mean like he'd been hunting it for 15 years before he ever drew a tag to actually be able to shoot one himself so mm-hmm. when he did yeah needless to say he did well so
2: idaho is i know you, there's over-the-counter tags in idaho yeah but, but it's also they also have preference points for like trophy units or is it all just random draw?
3: um it's it's all different uh it depends on what area you're talking about mm-hmm. uh the one we were in that we had a permit into guide in was it was a draw area but you could hunt archery in there um any like open season on okay. archery so uh we guided a lot of archery hunts yeah and just a few rifle tags because there was only a few available that were the people wanted the draw the assistance i guess of a
2: so did you ever oh, get to me. take one for yourself or you always just helping other people?
3: I never shot an elk. I shot a couple deer, though. Uh-huh. Um, and then I actually did shoot a cow elk one year on a depredation hunt, but it was kind of like an easy, like out of the, out of the pickup truck, <laughs> right. kind of a cornfield yeah. shot. Yeah. So which uh,
2: which Braun brother has shot the biggest mule deer?
3: Wow, that's probably between
7: me and Mickey. Yeah, I had a <laughs> oh, four-point. Yeah. Which in the... <laughs> That's in Texas. In Idaho, so it's, it's a, a two point. point yeah.
3: <laughs> Except for what's funny is I killed, a, I think, a, a six point buck, but it was a white tail, and in Idaho, it, it would have been a six point because that's what, how they score white tails. But if it had been a mule deer, it would have been a three point. Right. <laughs> so. it,
2: it always is fascinating because I, I, yeah. I've never hunted in Idaho, but I've hunted in Montana. And they, right. their their lingo is totally different. You know? Yeah, they count
3: one side instead of yeah. every point. Which, right. which is interesting. It's like yeah. it would make more sense to just count all the points yeah. and make it very simple. In what my if it mind. was like that
2: dinky ass mule <laughs> deer buck I have that one on the far right up there is from New Mexico public land. That'd
7: That'd be, so it's that's that's like a five a, point. That's well, a three by two and <laughs> <Right>. a half. <laughs> yeah. So what do you? I don't know <laughs> hey, if that little like, nub on the <laughs> bottom <laughs> <laughs> counts as a point. It's, I don't
2: you think know, it does. I don't.
3: That uh, is the uh,
2: like like antler wise. Animal in this uh,
3: trophy room. Sorry, it's the one you've ever mounted. <laughs> but no, but that one means more to me than
2: just about any other one. Yeah. it was the conditions and snowstorm, right. top of the mountain. Right, it's got a nice you know, spread on it. Earned <laughs> it. Uh, let's let's call it a spade a spade. That thing's a dink. <laughs> but but it's a trophy to me. Yeah, the circumstances. But sure, but yeah. but the point was, it's like a, it's a three by two. So what what is what does a, a westerner call that? That would be a five point.
3: No, uh, that's uh, what I would call. That, it. I would call that. A three, a three by I would two.
7: three by two, yeah.
3: Okay. Okay. I think that's the west in Western terms. Let's see that trying one I'll call that a, fight, a twelve man. pointer.
2: <laughs> okay. So now were you bow or rifle hunting? Predominantly? What'd you prefer?
3: Um I always liked guiding bow hunts better, but I liked rifle hunting better for myself. Mm-hmm. I rifle.
7: I, right. I've never
2: right. I've never gone bow hunting before. And what uh what about I'm sure you guys have a lot of great trout streams up there. Yeah, tons. Uh, is that something y'all did a little bit of as well?
7: Yeah, when we were younger, I I mainly just spin a rod um, off the bank, kind mm-hmm. of Tom Sawyer style. But um, Nothing wrong with that. When I got older, or the last few years I've gotten into fly fishing quite a bit, just yeah. being... Uh, lot more patience and just right. enjoying being outside in, for the afternoon as opposed to you know getting out there to try and just catch as many as i can sure Maybe they don't sure. really care it's like eh, i'm just walking the
2: riverbanks banks. Just more about being outside exactly or, you know it's like fly fishing is like hunting more for fish you know if you yeah. catch
3: one or two in a day at least to yeah. me, because i'm not very it's good like at bow, it h- bow hunting versus our, right. the rifle yeah. most. i mean yeah.
2: one fish um Almost can go. make the entire day whereas yeah. if you're out there with a spinning rod and you catch one fish you're like yeah damn it they went eight hours you know? right So yeah. just
3: trying to get the hook out yeah yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> although, although i spend a lot of t- i don't know what the rivers are like up there but like in new mexico where i've done most of my fly fishing very close quarters i've spent it seems like half a day trying to get my damn uh leader yeah. or my tippet out of a tree right you
7: know? yeah it's- it can be like that. Um, we have a lot of friends up there that are guides, and, mm. and they uh, on their yeah, days yeah. off, they like to go fish for themselves, so mm. we get to float right a on, lot, so we get off the water. bank uh-huh. uh, when we're fly fishing a lot, and then if not, we do waders and get out in the middle of it if you can. You yeah. know, mid-summer, late summer, you can, you can wade out pretty far out and get into some good stuff, but... Uh, in the springtime, it's, you know, fast and muddy and cold and
2: yeah, not worth yeah. it. Well, so let me ask you this, Gary, uh, well, ask Gary first, but if there's one thing on your bucket list that you haven't gotten to hunt for that you would want to uh, to put your hands on, what, what would that be?
3: Hmm. I think I'd still like to kill a big bull yeah. elk, yeah. Right. It's kind of always planned on it, doing it eventually someday. Yeah. And Mickey? <laughs> um... For for, a for a trophy
7: on my wall, (laughs) I'd go with a mountain goat. I've always loved mountain goats; think they're awesome. And uh, I'd love to, you know, tan the hide and have that for a a rug on the back of the couch, and then have the mount on the wall. But um, as far as meat goes, I'd probably do. I'd probably go for a bull.
2: Yeah, I've heard those mountain goats are pretty. Pretty good eating though. I never have. Are they? I, I've never have tried one, but I haven't either. It tastes like chicken. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, 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 hey, uh, we have time for, for one more tune. Um, what do you want to do for us here?
7: Um, we'll do a song called uh, "Left This Town." I wrote this song uh, basically about Stanley, Idaho. The area that we grew up in is—it's a, a very small town that is a, a rafting and hiking and uh, hunting community. So it's—we have a lot of. Uh, tourists in the summertime so they come into town and uh we need people to uh come in and work and and then the locals that are there you know that uh-huh. stay for the winter and rough it out and then <laughs> have their summers summertime work and get all their money in four months and then go skiing all
2: that's winter a rough life yeah it is it's it's interesting those ones that grind it uh, out in small like ski towns and everything yeah, yeah absolutely Cutting firewood do yeah. work and logging you know
7: yeah absolutely and you gotta it's more you of gotta a get way of life, I think, for yeah. those people. You know, it really yeah. is. You yeah. gotta, you gotta love the outdoors, and you gotta love to, uh, you know, read. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Drove off into the night, that a fire and just sky well. Couldn't be in the boss, just couldn't turn the gas.
2: Right. Another one off of the new record, Long Time Coming. Love that one, guys. Thank you. Uh, it's available anywhere you can find music. We've got three copies that y'all have signed. We're going to give uh, one away on the show today, and we'll give the other two away on social media. So y'all be looking for that. And y'all are playing uh, here locally, Hanks, yeah. uh, this weekend. Where are y'all headed next? Uh, well, next we... weekend. Key Where West, be?
3: Yeah, in Florida. Florida. We're going Florida. down there to do that Mile music festival with... Because uh, Jason Isabel and Rex Kelly and everybody. Has yeah, there. everybody and we things know. Things all like. our friends are down there. So <laughs> it's pretty. be a party. Yeah, I think
7: there's six time, bands, man. yeah. yeah right it'll be on. a big party for five days. and Good time. And then we head back to uh, Texas and play Green Hall.
2: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for uh, making time for thank us. Thank so you for having me. us. Appreciate it. Yeah. Love the new record. My kids thank love you. it. Uh, awesome. Y'all check it out. Long time coming. So there they go. Mickey and Gary Braun of Mickey and the Motor Cars. That segment brought to you by Arluck Outfitters, offering the finest in Newfoundland moose hunting. Uh, Let's call it a budget-friendly moose hunt, right? You don't want to drop 25K in Alaska or the Yukon. Well, uh, I went to Newfoundland and shot a nice bull with Arluck Outfitters in October, which, by the way, is at the tail end of the rut. So September, October, prime time to get that big bull fired up and coming into the call. Uh, You can find them at Arluck.com. Outfitters.com Unfortunately Looking at the clock We gotta go Gotta get out of here Thanks to all of our guests today Of course Mickey and Gary As well as Brandon Palahniuk Of the Elite Series Thanks to all of our sponsors For making this show possible Thanks to you the listener For being a part Of the Lone Star Outdoor show Until next time I'm Cable Smith saying Y'all have a great week In the outdoors
1: Rain hell Down on those Advanced again. Cut them down against all odds.
6: No matter what the cost. The lines of... Have-